Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey, everyone. Again, it's a beautiful day here in Charlotte. We are going to wrap up our Encouraging Mom series today. Today, we're going to talk about her hands, her posture, and her challenge. I'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, moms. True confession time for me today. It is so difficult sometimes for me to actually get into the studio and record these podcasts just because my head is just swimming with all of these different things I want to say. I want to make sure I say it in a way that you're able to hear it rightly. I mean, I can't see your face. That's one of the benefits of doing live events is I can look out in my audience and see where everybody is, if you're with me, if you're not with me, and I can go back and pick you up maybe, or I can pull back, or it's just so much easier when I have your faces in front of me. And I got to tell you, I really hope that if you listen to this podcast and you get to come and hear me at a live event, that you'll come up and tell me, because I would love to hug your neck, and I'd love to get some feedback from you. I just love hearing from y'all, those of you that have written in to tell me what 
you're appreciating and what you like and some ideas. I really do appreciate that. So if any of you out there have some additional ideas, you can go over to rachelcarman.com. Got a little ahead of myself there. And you can leave me um, some feedback. I would love to hear from you. It is my pleasure to do this. But I've got to tell you, it has been more than a little bit of an adjustment for me. I'm a face-to-face girl. And so this whole new age of media and podcast, even when I do a, a live event online and there's video, it is just not the same. And it's hard for me. I feel like I'm... I'm sometimes I feel like I'm talking into a black hole and it's more than a little challenging. I have my little dog here and I'm looking out the front of our house and so there's people walking by. But I want your faces. I want your eyes. I want to see your smiles. So I actually just got back from a conference where I actually got that from the moms and um, I was in Boston and it was lovely, really great audiences, very receptive and I was really blessed to be with them. And actually, I'm imagining those moms today as I'm talking to you. But the other thing is, so the one thing that makes it hard sometimes is just, I feel like I'm, I'm just, it's just me and there's no feedback. And so that's hard. I sort of just have to imagine it. But the second thing is, I always have so many things I want to say, and I just don't think I can get them all out in the time that we have. And so I literally sit here with my notes and and just go through and go, yeah, I'm going to say that. No, I can't say that. You know, I'm just while in the background. So that's just a little bit behind the scenes insight. But sometimes it keeps me from coming in because I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can, I can do it today. But I'm here. And this is a discipline for me for what it's worth is to do this because I would much rather wait until we can be face to face. But I know that the Lord is using this and I'm very grateful for this medium. And so I feel like he's teaching me a brand new thing here. And so, again, I'm grateful for you tuning in and and for your feedback. Today, we're going to do part three of the Encouraging Mom series. And I've already heard from a couple of people going, wow, you're right. This is great. It's exactly what I needed to hear in a very different way than how I thought I needed to hear it. So I really do appreciate that feedback Because I do believe in motherhood. I do believe it makes all the difference. I do believe it is really hard, but I also believe it is an amazing journey, especially when we dare to lean into God and trust Him for all He's doing. And we stop trying to limit what can be accomplished in our homes by what you and I can do. That's the real danger, and that's the real temptation. And so when we release it to God, when we say, okay, I'm available, here I am, and I'm going to dare to do what is before me today, and I'm going to trust that you're going to do everything else, that's when a whole world opens up to us. And so it has been my desire in this very short three-part series, I really think I could have taken all of the points that we've covered. I think there's going to be a total at the end of the day, what is that, six, eight, eight-ish things that we've covered. Probably could have done each one in its own episode, but I, I really hope that this is encouraging to you. We're going to, I'm going to do a brief review of what we did in part one and part two, and then we're going to jump into part three. So part one, we talked about a mother's heart and her mind. 
Last time in part two, we talked about the importance of our ears and our mouth and our eyes. And today we're going to talk about what are we doing with our hands? What posture are we typically in? And then I'm going to wrap it up with a challenge to all of us as moms. So I have a lot of heroes from scripture. You know that I have a lot of, you know, more modern day uh, men and women of the faith that I love. I talk about them too. And we're going to talk about a few of them at the end today. But I really do love Jochebed. And I've talked quite a bit about her. So in the Old Testament, when we first meet Moses, um, we meet his mom. Moses is an infant. And you'll remember the decree of Pharaoh. He's so paranoid about all of these Hebrews, and there's so many of them. And he's so intimidated by how they're multiplying that he, he says that the little boys must be killed when they're born. Um, I'm going to let you go back and read the whole narrative in the first part of Exodus. But his first phase of trying to control the Hebrew numbers was the midwives to kill the infant baby boys. That didn't work out. You need to go back and read about it because there's more than one miracle tucked into that in terms of God protecting those midwives. Then his second plan was all the, the little boys had to be thrown into the Nile. And I mean, you know, if you were raised in the church, those two edicts from Pharaoh are probably not new to you, but it is possible that you've known them and heard them for so long that you've not ever really thought about that. That's horrific that a paranoid Pharaoh would require that little boys are murdered. And that's what the Hebrews were facing. That's what they were under. Not only were they enslaved by Pharaoh, but now he wants to kill their little boys. I mean, I think way too often we don't just sit in that for a moment. That is horrifying. And so I I just want that to sit on you, and I want you to imagine being a Hebrew mother, and you discover that you're pregnant. And that's Jochebed. Jochebed was Moses' mother. And so, you know, I have seven children, and there were, and along the way, there were times I was really hoping to be pregnant. There were times I, I pretty much knew I was pregnant. And then there were a couple of times when I was kind of shocked that I was, right? I am grateful that I was never like, no, 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 no. I I was really happy every time, even though I was surprised a couple of times. I was really thrilled. But I, and I don't know, scripture doesn't say that Jochebed wasn't thrilled. I'm just going to say that under the circumstances under which she discovered she was pregnant, I'm thinking that maybe not thrilled is a fair assumption that, you know, What's going to happen to this baby if it's a boy, right? And so we pick up the story, and when we pick up the story in Exodus, Jochebed is weaving a basket, and she's weaving a basket. Uh, she's weaving a basket because she's going to obey Pharaoh in a technicality. So he said to throw all the baby boys in 
the Nile. And so, okay, she's going to put her baby boy in the Nile in a basket that she's woven with her own hands. And again, if you've been in Sunday school, you know how this story ends. And so the idea of this mother weaving this basket and covering it with tar and pitch, it's something we read over because we know the rest of the story. But I just just sit on it for at least the length of the break. And I'm going to come back and tell you the rest of the story that probably many of you know. But I just want you to sit in the fact that she's about to put her baby boy in a basket in the Nile River. And imagine that she doesn't know the rest of the story. I'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Okay, so Jacobet has woven a basket. She's covered it with tar and pitch. She's done all she can do. And she takes her baby boy and she puts him in the basket in the Nile River. And then she does as though that was not unthinkable enough. Then she asks her daughter, little Miriam, to watch the basket. I don't know. That's kind of a... I don't know how I feel about that. That seems, wow, you're asking your daughter, your little daughter, your young daughter to watch the basket. And it's not because Jacobed knew what was going to happen. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of overwhelming to think about what Miriam could have witnessed. But what is glorious, what is glorious and don't miss this, was the personal the personal touch, the personal blessing that Miriam received having been charged to watch a basket carrying her baby brother. So the rest of the story is that it's drawn out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter. And she is so struck by this little boy. She instantly loves him and she adopts him and names him Moses, which actually means drawn out of the water. And the next thing you know in this story, little Miriam, having witnessed the protection and the provision of God, this miracle that this little basket made its way to the safest possible place, the arms of the daughter of the Pharaoh, the same Pharaoh who made the edict to throw all the Hebrew boys in the water. His daughter finds a baby boy, and she saves him. I mean, this is, this is a remarkable story, right? 
And little Miriam runs home and tells her mama. Now, there's a, a lot more to that story. But what I want you to see here is what Jochebed did with her hands. Jochebed didn't wring her hands. She wove with her hands. Moms, you and I need to be weavers, not worriers. We don't need to stand around wringing our hands. We need to be working. We need to be diligently weaving protection for our children. That's what we need to be about doing. Jochebed is such a beautiful example. There's a passage in Proverbs that is quite the opposite. And it says in Proverbs 14.1, The wise woman builds up her house, but the foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. You and I are capable of tearing down our own homes with our bare hands. But the admonition in Scripture is that we would be diligent with our hands. That whatever we do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord. That we would lift up our hands to the Lord and bless His name. This is what we're to do with our hands. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do our responsibilities. Moms, you and I have responsibilities around the house, whether it's nursing a baby or changing a diaper, wiping a runny nose, (laughs) wiping a child that we're potty training. My daughter-in-law's actually... The last few weeks has been potty training our little grandson. And I remember those days. She is doing the wise thing with her hands. She's building up her house. We use our hands, moms, to hug our kids, to hug our husbands. Moms, the way you lay your hands on your man, on your husband, in front of your children, that matters. You rub his back, you rub his head, you take his face into your hands and you kiss him. You hold his hand when you go on a walk. You put your arm around him. Moms, our hands, what we're doing with our hands matters. And I want to encourage you to be mindful about what you're doing with your hands. Secondly, today, I want to look at our posture. Again, so many places we could go with this. So many women that we could go with. But limited time, I want to drill down on Mary, the sister of both Martha and Lazarus. There are two times where we get insight into Mary's posture specifically, right? Now, just so you know, there are lots of other examples of these postures that we could chase. Teaser alert, we're going to chase some of those with a new series I'm going to kick in the fall. But for now, we just want to look at Mary But I'm hoping that in the meantime, as you're reading through scripture, you'll pay attention to posture. It's a thing. How we situate ourselves, how we present ourselves, how we position ourselves, it matters. So Mary, we first meet her when she and her sister Martha are hosting like a little get together for Jesus and his compadres and whoever else wants to come and listen. And except for the fact that Martha probably wouldn't agree that it was Mary and and Martha hosting. Martha would probably insist that Martha was doing it all herself, right? You remember this story. It's in Luke 10. So you can go over and look that up. I think it begins in verse 38. But specifically in verse 39, it says that Jesus is there. And where's Martha? Martha's in the kitchen. 
because Martha was worried about all the details. And you've heard the debate, you know, are you a Mary or a Martha? Look, I am by nature a Martha. I care that the candles are lit and the napkins match and the the floor swept before company comes. I do, right? And where's Mary? Is Mary concerned about the napkins or the candles or the crumbs on the floor? Mary's at the feet of Jesus. I mean, Jesus is here. I mean, Martha is like, Jesus is here. Get everything straight. And Mary is like, yeah, Jesus is here. Sit down. We find Mary, the first time that we meet her, seated at the feet of Jesus. Her posture is she's seated at the feet of Jesus. Wow. Moms, I would suggest that our kids, our husband, our neighbors, our friends, we need to be known to be seated at the feet of Jesus. Our posture needs to be one that's teachable, that, that we're at his feet, that we are under his direction, under his authority, that we're, we're, we're listening, we're attentive. You see how all of these things that we've been talking about in the last two, the first two parts of the series, they're, they're all interconnected, right? Mary's seated at the feet of Jesus. She's not, she is not worried about napkins or crumbs or can't, no, no, no. She's listening to Jesus. The second time we see Mary is over in John 11. And the whole chapter is worth your study. And the interesting thing about this chapter is of the four Gospels, John's the only one that includes it. And this is when Jesus and his disciples gets word from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is very ill and is at the point of death. And Mary and Martha are pleading, asking that Jesus would come. And, and what we see in this is they know that if Jesus will just come, Lazarus will be fine. I mean, Lazarus is sick, but if Jesus will just come, Jesus will make it all right. All they need is for Jesus to come and Lazarus will be made well. And, but Jesus isn't there. And so they find a way to get word to Jesus. You got to come because I think it says something like this. I'm not going to have it exactly right, but something, he who you love. In other words, your really good friend. The person you really care about is sick and not, and not like with a cold, like at the point of death. And Mary and Martha beg for Jesus to come. But Jesus doesn't. I, I mean, there, you know, there is so much in John 11 worth your study and your contemplation So Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha have confidence that if Jesus would just come, Lazarus would be fine. Jesus receives word, but he doesn't go. Again, I'm going to let you chase that on your own time because that's really not the point I want you to see here. Jesus literally waits until Lazarus dies. Then he tells his disciples, let us go. Oh, I want to chase that. Oh, it's not for today. Okay, so then he goes. Well, Mary and Martha, he's in the tomb. I mean, not only was Jesus not there when Lazarus was sick, he wasn't there when Lazarus died. He wasn't there when they buried him. 
I mean, like Jesus missed the whole thing. These were his best friends. They had hosted him. He had been at their house probably many more times than we know of in scripture. And he wasn't there at this moment. And it wasn't because he didn't know about it. So he finally comes. He's on the outside of town, scripture says. And Martha hears that he is outside of town. And Martha goes. And again, Martha is not the point of this. Read John 11. And I want to challenge you. Here's some homework for you. Notice the posture of Martha. And and then we're going to contrast it with what I'm going to tell you about Mary. So Martha goes first. Of course, Martha goes first. And she goes out and she confronts Jesus. Read it. She confronts Jesus. And then she goes back. And she tells Mary that Jesus, where Jesus is. And Mary gets up and she goes. And it is so beautiful. I want to read it for you here. Let me pull out my Bible here. John 11. It says, Mary got up quickly and went out. And her friends followed her thinking that she was going to go to the tomb. In verse 32, it says, Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, and she fell at his feet, saying, O Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you see her posture? The humility, the complete, I'm done, I've got nothing. It's, I, if you had been here. Moms, I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet you've been where Mary is in this scene. In that place where you just, you got nothing else. You've tried everything. You've read every book. You've tried everything you know how to do. You've done things you probably shouldn't have done, like yell and scream and jump up and down with your head on fire. And you've not done anything you've even tried passivity and that didn't work either and it's just you you're just i you're mary you just fall down and go if you've just been here i think there's something really beautiful here as moms that we can learn from mary in these two positions this position of being at his feet being teachable, listening, paying attention, soaking it in, acknowledging who he is, really wanting everything he wants to teach you. And I would suggest to you that it is from that moment where Mary sits at his feet, that's how we get a Mary that falls at his feet. Because the Mary who fell at his feet got who he was. Totally understood who he was if you had only been here. If you had just been here. I would suggest that those are the postures that you and I ought to practice being in. Those postures of total and complete humility. Leaning in, listening to his voice, daring to know who he is, that he is able and he is worthy. Reading the rest of that chapter is so powerful in John and 11. And again, I'm going to let you chase that on your own. I just want to challenge you with those two postures that we see so beautifully exemplified in these two 
little scenes we get of Mary. I want to go now because I promised you that this would be a short series, just three parts, and I want to wrap it up with a very uh, brief challenge for you. And I really believe whether we're talking about a mother's heart, her eyes, her ears, her mind, her lips, her hands, her posture, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. And I'm just going to say this is the challenge that echoes from some of my more modern-day heroes. I mentioned them last week. Amy Carmichael, Corey Ten Boom, Elizabeth Elliott, women who knew the Lord, women who walked the walk, who sacrificed, who went through really hard things and held on to what they knew to be true, who were both at the feet of Jesus, soaking him in, listening to him, just like we saw in Mary, and on their knees, on their knees in complete, total humility and surrender and submission to his will in their lives. All of them are examples of the challenge I want to give you today. And it's not anything new, but the challenge, moms, is that we would persevere, that we would persevere in guarding our lips our mouths, what we say, that we would persevere in setting our mind, persevere in having attentive ears, persevere in lifting our eyes, persevere in diligently using our hands. Mom, that you and I would dare to persevere in humility, that we would persevere in giving our whole hearts to the things of God. That's That's what it means to be the moms that God has us to be. I love what Elizabeth Elliot says. Do the next right thing. Do the next thing. Don't stand around and wonder. The will of God is always the next thing. And as a mom, sometimes we get distracted or we we faintly hear the whisper of the world or maybe it's yelling at us, right? And we think that the next thing that would be God's will is something massive, right? That's going to go viral. And maybe that's why we post it because we, we want validation that this diaper matters, right? Moms, hear me, hear me. The will of God for you and me as moms is the next right thing. And sometimes that's a diaper and sometimes it's a bandaid and sometimes it's a batch of chocolate chip cookies. Sometimes it's a read aloud Sometimes it's disciplining. Sometimes it's a trip to the dentist or the orthodontist or co-op. Sometimes it's a walk in the woods. It's the next right thing. It might be a load of laundry or mopping the floor or running to the grocery store. The next right thing. It might be hugging our husband when he comes home from work and sitting down and decompressing with him about his day. The next thing. Mom, my number one encouragement to you is persevere. Keep on keeping on. Do the next thing for the glory of God. Dare, dare to walk in his strength, not your own. Dare to trust in his sovereignty. Dare, mom, to be satisfied in him. Read about the lives of Elizabeth Elliot. Read about Amy Carmichael. Read about Corey Timboom. Listen to these wise women 
who really know, who went through really difficult, trying, challenging times, all of them did, learned from them, dare to allow them to be part of the transformation of your soul as you learn from their wisdom. And I'm just going to tell you, it is revolutionary. It is completely and totally counterculture. Oh, but moms, my prayer for you is that you would desire, that you would desire, that you would dare to develop a taste for the things of God, for self-sacrifice and self-denial and self-discipline and self-restraint. All of those things that are good for our flourishing from our Heavenly Father. So here's some questions for you. What are you doing with your hands? What are you doing with your hands? Are you tight-fisted, trying to hold on to everything, trying to control everything? Are you ticked and frustrated and resentful because it's not going the way you want it to? Would you dare to open your hands so that he can fill them? Would you dare to raise your hands and praise him? Are you being responsible with the roles and the responsibilities that God has given you with the next thing? I've actually got a ton of next things out here in my house waiting for me after I finish this recording today because I got company coming and I could sit down and start scrolling or I could prepare a place where my kids coming home from college, a couple of them bringing home a sweetheart, a place where they feel welcome, a place where laughter rings, a place where things are ready. And they are comfortable and it is safe. That's my role. And I get to go out and do that. Mom, how are you using your hands to prepare a place to create a space for your family to be safe and to be welcoming and to welcome in friends that they would come in and to discuss the things of life and to laugh and to enjoy each other? Are you practicing, mom, meaningful touch? Are you rubbing your little kids' heads? Are you hugging them? One of my most favorite things was after bath time at night was I would sing to the kids as I put on that, my favorite baby lotion, Johnson & Johnson's baby lotion, and I would rub it on the little kids and their little toes, right, and their little belly, and oh, it was just glory, all of that, things that I could do with my hands to touch and hold their little face in my hands, Are you cooking, cleaning, changing? What are you doing with your hands? Our hands, moms, our hands. I really would challenge you. What are you doing with your hands? Kneading bread, holding hands, hugging, cleaning, rotating laundry, baking bread, whatever you're doing. Be diligent. Be careful, little hands, what you do. And then I want to ask you about your posture. Is your posture proud and haughty? Do you just look like another soccer mom? And I can say that because I was a soccer mom. I had four sons. All four of them played football and soccer. So there you go. I know what it's like to be on the sidelines. Are you there on the sidelines for you? Are you there on the sidelines for your kids? In your home, or do you have a posture of service, of humility? When you're at church, when you're with neighbors, when you're with others, when you're in settings like I was this last weekend in a conference setting, what is your posture when you're among other people, when you're with other people? Is it of service and humility? Is it teachability? Is it surrender? Is it availability? What is your posture? 
Moms, I hope you've been encouraged through this series. I really want to encourage you in your role. The world wants to tell moms that what they do doesn't matter, that it is meaningless, that it's just worthless, mundane, worthless rinse and repeat. And I want to declare motherhood is life-changing. It's world-changing. And it matters beyond what we can ask or imagine. And God takes it and he breaks it and he blesses it in amazing ways that you cannot even conceive of. Moms, what you do really does matter, and the master is watching. I pray his richest blessings on you this Mother's Day, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.